Aaron, you're gorgeous. And, and we spent three wonderful years together. You're the only one that I ever truly loved. But I can't marry you. What? Are you joking right now? With my best friend. How long has this been going on? Oh, I'm in love with him. Welcome to Doggone. You must be here. We've been expecting you. Tell me, what is it that a canine therapist does? I help people and dogs learn to live better through nonverbal communication. Dogs are only happy if their owners are happy. Well, might as well go ahead and put you to work. Puppies! I'm gonna need you to get rid of these little monsters by Christmas. <laughs> he hates dogs. Do you have some sort of deep-rooted association with dogs? No, 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 no. Why are they here? Some incompetent ad agency left them here after the photo shoot. We're an animal company. I thought we could use someone of your expertise. What are we doing here? We're accomplishing my first task. The kids have always wanted a dog. Thank you. Doesn't that feel good? I'm not the Grinch. Did your heart grow a little? I think I'd like to tackle your disdain for dogs. Oh. You can't have a company for dogs if you don't like them. She's good. Please help me understand your fear of dogs. Look, I'm a complete mess and I just open up. Coffee, can we have a little bit of wine? A little bit. Yeah. Come to New York with me. You want me to go to your investors meeting? Yes. I don't know anything about finance. You know people. You have instinct. There's something so magical about New York during Christmas. I didn't expect to see you back in New York so soon. How would you move all the way across the country? I just kind of need to get away. I've never met someone like you before. You, you challenge me. What are you still doing up? You have a big day tomorrow. I can't eat. I can't sleep. And you're a very special woman. You are falling in love with me, Mark. Welcome again to another edition of Stocking Stuffers. This, as you heard, is probably the most dog-filled episode we'll be doing, and we did have a few dogs this year. Uh, but with me is is no dog, is more of a more of a cat person, I guess, if you will. Somebody I am thrilled to have on the show. Somebody I have been a big fan of. He is a film critic. He is a podcaster of what thirty-five different podcasts, uh, from Cancel Too Soon, from formerly the B Movies podcast, now of Critically Acclaimed. It is William Bibiani, but everybody calls him Bibs. Happy crispy, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for being here with the fine people today. Uh, you and I have a lot in common as movie people. Well, great. Then I'm on the right podcast. Oh, totally. It's exciting. Now, um, I was introduced to you by our dear friend Fozzie, who said to me, hey, you need to listen to this podcast. These guys, have, I think these guys love Step Up more than you do. Yeah, I think that's fair. If you're a person in the world, there's a decent chance we love Step Up more than you at Critically Acclaimed. It's And that's very hard for me to believe because I am a yeah. a, a diehard Step Up 2 through 5 fan. Oh, the, the Moose Chronicles. The Moose Chronicles, without doubt. Well, yeah. I, I yeah. would like to say that um, in an alternate world, You Got Served is considered an unofficial prequel to the Step Up movies. It's not it's not canon, but it does seem to take place in the same mm-hmm. universe. And if they did a crossover like... You got served step up style or something. It would have made you got stepped up. Sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ste- step up to the serving. To the ser- yeah, serving table. See, you got served yeah. to me should have been step up one, and step up one should have been save the last dance two. That's fair because I feel step up one is not step up two through five. 
God, no. Step Up Step Up One is very, very much right. Save the Last Dance, mm-hmm. kind of a dirty dancing kind of knockoff, but they're from different worlds. How will their dancing go together? And it's nice. It's a good it's little fine. movie. I like fine. it, but it became. It's imagine if the Fast and Furious franchise, because oh, you know it took like excellent, a, excellent. Yeah. It's like Fast and Furious was pretty good. Two through four had good stuff in it, but it wasn't until like five that all the pieces came together. Imagine if the Fast and Furious franchise started out pretty good and then all the pieces came together in number two. That That's is step, step up. up. You're right. You're right. And yeah. then now we have step up six and seven, a.k.a. High Strung and High Strung Free Dance. There's actually is an official step up six. Is it the YouTube one? There, no, not that's a TV series. No, I'm talking about there was actually a step Six. up, and I think it was made in or chi- in China or for a Chinese market. Ooh. It had a very very small release at the beginning of this year. Oh my gosh! It's not great. It's not great. I'll be okay. honest here. But the high strong movies are definitely in the oh, step up verse. Yeah. Oh, without the step, question. High strong yeah. movies. I've been trying to get people to watch the high strong movies. All you got to do is show them the violin duel from, <gasps> yes. from High Strong One, yes. and you got them. Yeah. It's amazing. If you've never seen the High Strong movies, pause the podcast, mm-hmm. watch High Strong, at least High Strong 1, and then come on back and thank us and then listen yes. to our podcast. Well, but if you only have one streaming service, because I think High Strong is on, no, High Strong is on Prime and High Strong Freedance is on Netflix. So if you only have one, it's okay. You can watch whichever one is in front of you. It will make you want to subscribe to the other to get the other movie. And although there are definite connections, characters appear in both, mm. it's not like you have to watch them in a certain order. No, you'll, I you'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, surpri- disappointingly, I will say, the movie we're covering today does not have any violin battles or dance battles, but it does have a few, some pu- I mean, I, I don't want to say this has a lot of puppies, because really it doesn't. It has a couple of scenes of puppies, but for it, a movie yeah. called The Twelve Pups of Christmas, we don't get that much dogs. We we Twelve Pups of Christmas uh, is a bit of a misnomer on a couple of levels. Mm. One, uh, although there are twelve puppies, they're not in it as often as you think. And two, the idea that it's called Twelve Pups of Christmas makes you think you're going to watch a cute, family-friendly thing. <laughs> Instead, you get this, which with only a little tweaking is a serial killer movie. No, and that is very true of this director's filmography. So Michael Pfeiffer is the director of this, and his name should be familiar to you because he's done a lot of these movies. Um, The ones we covered last year, I believe we did a Golden Christmas Christmas 3, or a.k.a. What is that one? Um, Love Ever After. It has like five different titles. And eventually it was called The Golden Christmas 3. So he did that one. He did A Christmas Wedding Tale. He's done a couple of the Dog Who Saved Christmas movies. And then he also has this whole slew of serial killer biopics, essentially. Yeah, right? all of these, all of these like really scary sounding, uh, like made for TV type movies, like uh, uh, My Stepfather's Secret, mm-hmm. Dangerous Matrimony, A Killer Walks Amongst Us, Deadly Daycare, The Dog Who Saved the Holidays. Like it's just this majority of his filmography is like scary thrillers, and actually at the beginning of his filmography. He did a lot of like mo- like straight to video biopics of real life serial killers. He is like, like a a, f- a little quartet Ed of them, yeah. Ed Gein, yeah. Richard Speck, yeah. Boston and Strangler, and BTK. And it's and and again, I haven't seen all of his movies. When I saw this movie, The Twelve Pups of Christmas, mm-hmm. and we discovered it quite by accident, uh, we got really fascinated because we were just like. How did this movie, which on the surface has all the elements of harmless, 
sweet, maybe kind of innocuous and bland, but seriously, all of the hallmarks of, course, like yeah. of the Christmas straight-to-video genre, how did it come out so weird and creepy? Uh-huh. And then we looked at his filmography, and we realized he does a lot of horror he and thriller stuff. this line. And- and then, and then we we sought out another film he did, uh, Christmas with the Andersons, which isn't quite as creepy, but is also very bizarre. Mm-hmm. And now my goal in like the new year is to go through his filmography and see if like maybe these like really creepy sounding movies, like The Nightmare Nanny and and A Mother Betrayed, and maybe they're accidentally kind of Christmassy. Oh, oh, I have an answer for you. I have the the movie that's going to unlock that for you, and I believe it's streaming on Netflix. It was about a year or two ago when I watched it. Yeah. Deviant Love. Got it. Deviant Love from, I think, actually it's the movie he made on IMDb. It's like the credit right before 12 Pups of Christmas. So he, you know, called it, you know, Saturday was over, Sunday he went to shoot this movie. Emma Bell is in it. So there's a couple of like actual real actors in it. This movie, I think, is him completely playing the game because if it is a, you know, Deviant Love is the title. It's a young woman comes back home with her, you know, she's now divorced and she has a son and she's come back home to her parents uh, to, you know, to pick up the pieces and restart everything. And she bumps into this guy who, you know, she bumps into him in the bakery when they spill coffee on each other. And he's oh so God. charming and handsome and they start dating, but something's a little off. The thing oh, about does this. Does he not like Christmas? Uh, shockingly, we don't get. So here's the thing this entire movie you're watching and you're thinking, if they didn't have this ominous soundtrack playing, it would be a Christmas. It would be a meet cute, but she's got some hang up. She's not ready to trust him. Oh, but he's yeah. so friendly. He loves her son. And then it has the best twist that I won't spoil anything, but let's just say the twist involves there. There's a lot more going on in their past than they realized, but it really feels like it's him playing the game to say, can I make a thriller as a, a Hallmark Christmas movie. Can I twist nice. the two? Can I take a script that was meant to be a Hallmark movie and just turn it into a thriller without changing anything but the music? How far can I go before one of the producers notices what I'm doing? Yeah. That's and the it, vibe I got from this movie as well. Like, how weird <laughs> and creepy can I make this dialogue before someone says, hey, did you just have the protagonist of this cute Christmas rom-com earnestly suggest kidnapping and mutilating a guy <laughs> yes i did dad yes i did okay cool um she doesn't actually do it though well not on camera oh okay <laughs> i guess that's fine okay yeah you know what you're right i'm, I'm the jerk you're right I'm, i'll go well and like you're you're not gonna ask me to i don't have to like go get get any musical rights for that scene right no i'm just gonna score it to jingle bells okay we're fine we're fine yeah yeah keep going keep going keep going <laughs> It's it really is, and this movie I think is kind of like Deviant Love is taking the Lifetime thriller and like, but setting it to a Hallmark story. I feel like this is taking a Hallmark story but setting it to a Lifetime thriller. I know it's kind of genius in a way, and I swear. And the guy is like literally dozens of he like made like five movies this year. Yes, like this year, this. This 2020 one. when he you can't leave your house he made five movies how the hell did he do it but the thing is is that i i i admire the dedication to the craft i oh, admire yes. the the work ethic and mm-hmm. i admire that he's again hitting all the usual beats like we i know you have a list and like mm-hmm. this one doesn't hit all of them but it feels like it does it doesn't like again on the surface 
feels like it should be normal. And yet it's totally wrong. And I yeah. kind of love it. Yeah, there, there's just a weird undercurrent. I think part of that is the energy of the lead actress. Very uh, much so. I don't. I want to know what Michael Pfeiffer whispered to Charlotte <sighs> Sullivan before every scene. Like before every, every take. Scene, it's like, listen, I know you're doing this cute scene in the in the kitchen with the with the hunky rich guy, but um, there's someone chained up in your basement right now, and nobody knows. Go action. <laughs> Absolutely. She has, to me, like, I got a very serious Jennifer Connelly vibe from her. Mm. Because there's just this, like, sullen, like, she's dark-haired, she's there, and she's very soft-spoken and has this very Mm -hmm. kind of whispery voice. And it it, it just puts you on edge. And then her love interest is is, is a whole different thing, because he basically decides they're dating and in love, and she's like, but I've only known you for a day. And we're, of course, like, but you guys have only known each other for a day. What's going on? This is weird. It's so strange. Let's go into the plot so that we give Please. give some context. Um, would you like to give a rundown? How how, how detailed do you want me oh, to be? Uh, to as much as you want. And spoil away. Oh um, this All movie right. is on Hulu, so everybody, please watch it. Please watch it. Make sh- please confirm watch that it's not just us that, that sees all these things. This is in the making. I'm dead serious. It's I'm so weird. You. Okay, so we open in New York City. All right, with the usual Christmas music that mm-hmm. sounds like other Christmas music, but isn't you know? Christmas music that you know? Yeah, this is like, the school like, of rip-off um, original, quote-unquote music. Like, like you think based on the opening strains, you're about to hear something like "Deck the Halls," but it's actually something that sounds just kind of like it's it. Like halls that are decked. Yeah, exactly. So we open in a Christmas montage, New York City. Bada bing, boom. We're in an office. And we're in a montage of a bunch of people visiting a canine therapist. And, of course, the canine therapist spends more time dealing with her human patients' neuroses than her dogs. At which point, uh, one of her says, how dare you leave us? We need you. And she says, you don't understand. I have a new job, and it's a really important thing for me in my marriage. And she starts opening up in a really weird way ever been to therapy i've never heard a therapist open up this much i don't think they're supposed to do that they're really not like it's not a thing so she's going home uh uh for uh thanksgiving dinner and there's a moment that you think is going to be important later and it's not where she's in the cab and they're playing christmas music and she's just (gasps) oh turn off this christmas music and he says i can't i'm not allowed to change the station and she never says anything negative about christmas for the rest of the movie yeah you think this is going to be a career woman who hates christmas story but it's just not like because it opens and it's like they change their mind because my favorite type of of lead is the corporate woman who needs to learn a lesson and that's what I thought we got. But then, like, five minutes in, it's like, oh, no, she loves Christmas and everything it represents. You're like, wait, wait, who is this woman? I don't know. Nobody I don't think she does. does. Not well. So she's, she's calling her fiancé on the phone. And she's saying, hey, listen, I'm coming home. Uh, my best friend Taylor's coming over. Uh, we Good thing we made all the food, like, the night before. And we can just reheat it and everything will be nice. Then we cut to the inside of her apartment. She walks in and her boyfriend and Taylor, Taylor's already there and they have put the food out and she's like, you made dinner without me? And he's like, well, we thought it would be nice for you to come home and have dinner ready, but making it's the best part. And we in the audience are going, but you made it. (laughs) You made it yesterday. We established this 10 seconds ago. 
10 seconds. Is reheating it the best part? <laughs> really? We then cut to dinner time where they're all eating and it's a horror show. It's like <sighs> one step below like who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. It's yeah, almost more like Pinter-esque like, cause it's a lot of like what's not being said. Yeah. It's like, Oh, uh, it's uh it's uh, really good. that all those, uh, you're, 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 she's going to get a job uh, for a tech company that makes tracking collars for dog for lost dogs. Exactly what she's going to do there. Nobody knows. And we'll soon find out not even at the company. Yeah. Uh, weird plot point. But, um, but so she's like, yeah, this is great. It's going to be great for all your, your doggy clients. What's that supposed to mean? I just mean you're good with, with dogs. So you're, you're a canine psychiatrist. So that's what yeah, you do. Right. But so you're saying I'm not good with humans. Well, well I mean, no, I, I mean, I but mean, you're not clearly because we can't yeah. even have a peaceful dinner together. Like, Oh my God. And then it all goes to hell. And then she's talking about how we're going to move to New York together. And it sounds like she's forcing him to do it. And he's just like, yeah, no, it'll be really, really great when you move. Well, you're moving too. Yeah, I guess I'm just not yeah. in there mentally yet. Well, you better get there. And then Taylor comes in. It's like, hey, coffee's ready. This will be important later. Yes. By and later, that, we mean five minutes when we do a flashback to the scene. Yeah, it's incredible. So they they go inside. And then we cut to, like, the next day. They're getting married. Yes. They're jumping into a limousine. They are getting married. They're doing a city hall wedding. Yep. He She hates him with every. <laughs> fiber of her being every single thing he says is wrong and pisses her off and when they get out of the limousine and start walking to city hall uh they, he, he's like hey listen i can't do this and you think to yourself good get away from this horrifically emotionally abusive relationship and that's when he reveals because i'm sleeping with taylor who, who emerges from from the trees to and say i'm sleeping with him and i love that like he knew he was cheating on her he knew they were miserable we found out they've been dating for three years yep. he let this go almost yeah. to the altar you didn't have to get dressed up this morning why are yeah. you wearing a tux like Taylor he gelled his hair for Taylor this knew this wasn't gonna happen taylor's yeah. just wearing a, a damn sweater so she goes oh my god i can't believe you betrayed me and she, all, all of a sudden the pieces come together in her mind like hey remember that time right flashback yep yep dinner and then the pièce de résistance, and they, this is the last thing in that flashback montage when Taylor goes, "Hey guys, coffee's ready. We're back in the present." So, is it like airplane? Like he never, he never gets coffee with me. So Taylor, <laughs> I don't know, but she's obvious. She's allowed to be pissed. Oh, by rightfully, the way. Of she's yeah, to be of course, of course. But of course, she freaks the hell out, and you look like it looks like she's about to like literally murder them in the street, or do something other than like shout and then walk away. Yeah, she's, which yeah. Like, if she had let it out, I feel like it would have been good for her. You know, you think as a therapist, but you know, therapists oh. are people too. There's a reason therapists have to be in therapy. True. Um, true. But uh, so uh, so she goes to her new job without anybody. And the but with her dog, is, with her dog, with uh, with her dog. Sorry, yes. her dog Goliath, mm -hmm. who's a little bit uh, Yorkie. And Goliath is the best best actor in the movie. Goliath oh, movie. yeah, you're right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, she goes to Silicon Valley uh, for this tech company. She uh, goes to the tech company, and the first thing she does is gets in an elevator, and there's a guy dressed like Santa Claus. <laughs> oh my god, the scene! And she and she low key sexually harasses him because yeah. she's wearing red and he's wearing red, and she's just like. 
I could be your Mrs. Claus. And he looks really uncomfortable. He's very uncomfortable, which I would be too if this woman just started hating on me in the elevator. And he doesn't say it cute. Like, <laughs> I could be your Mrs. Claus. She says it like, so... Yeah, so you intense. and I could be Mr. and Mrs. Claus. And then the elevator door opens and he runs the fuck away. Like, thank God. Who is Who? Next time I'm taking those stairs. 26th floor be damned. Oh my god. And then uh, and then so she arrives and she meets uh uh Carly. Uh, Carly. Carly is uh psychotic. Uh, you th- I think we Carly find out some horrible things about Carly. Oh, oh Car- Carly is terrifying. Carly is the lead in typically a, an obsessed woman lifetime movie. Yeah, yeah, she's one step yeah. away from She is the I want you to be my best friend killer. Yeah. So she's just like, oh, my God, I'm glad you're here. Oh, yeah. that Your new boss, Martin, he's so hot. You could totally hit that. <laughs> you should totally hit that because like, I know you're I know you're that you just got dumped at the altar, even yeah. though nobody else should know that. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. So anyway, she gets she goes to her office and she's just like, so what do you want me to do here in this tech company? And she's like, I don't know. And then she goes <laughs> to see Martin and Martin's like, so. What are you, are you doing what, here? What, yeah, what, like, are we paying I, you? I assumed you knew you hired me. I assumed you needed some dog advice. Psychiatry? And he's like, I don't know. And he realized at this point that the movie has already given up. And we're like 10 minutes in. <laughs> like the movie, the movie is just like, nobody knows why we're here. And but so we have another contrive, 57 minutes to go. So by they golly. Contrive, they contrive a task for her to do where they had a photo shoot for this mm. new product. And they had twelve dogs, and yep. now they have, and they're puppies. And the now pups, her responsibility is to find a home for them, which you would think would be the framing device for the entire movie. Oh, right. we got to find a home for all. Or these also puppies, like a like... job for an intern, and not somebody. Yeah. Presumably, you paid a lot of money to move what? across the country. They get her a house. <laughs> they get her like a mansion. They give her a fully furnished, yep. multi-story house. Yeah. In San Diego, San Francisco, where real estate is not cheap. No. Yeah. No, it is not. It's actually one of the most expensive places in the country. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't even know what to do with I, that. It, I guess this is what people think startup money is and what it does is it just buys you really extravagant lifestyles for a short amount of time. Look, they work for a dot com. That means they're rich, right? <laughs> yeah. They spend a lot of time not getting paid well by dot coms. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly how. Yeah, it's, it's the internet. It's really the way of the future. Everyone's <laughs> everyone's happy with the gig economy. Totally, it's not going to crash at any time. Yeah, we didn't we didn't all pivot to video and lose our jobs. Oh. Yeah. So she has to give away twelve puppies. That's part of her job. Uh, Taylor comes back or comes to San San, Di- San Francisco rather because she wait so so taylor comes to apologize and beg forgiveness not so much because she's sorry i would say it's more because she found out that the boyfriend was also like just like laying his seed across the country basically look i backed the wrong horse that's what it boiled down I i had to pick between the two of you and i picked the wrong guy and now i'm back to you because apparently i have no other friends which apparently is true because she doesn't just she flies across the country at Christmas and not and not to visit. Right. She's like staying here now. So this is a major penitent move. And once we see Taylor and uh, our protagonist, Aaron, 
in the room together alone, only then do we understand the depth of their extremely unhealthy relationship. <laughs> because it is dark. So she comes, she shows up and, and Aaron just immediately closes the door. Just like, ah, Taylor. And then she opens it again. I shouldn't be opening this door. You're weak. I knew you were weak. <laughs> we're so weak to pick him. And she's like, I know. I was weak. And she's like, yeah, you're so weak. And she's like, I, I, I know. And she's like, yeah. Well, come on in. Let me tell you how weak you are a couple more times. And so she does. And when Taylor reveals that the dude had a bunch of women all across the country. Because he was totally like a traveling not- salesman, I think, was, which is not something that people are anymore. But Well, people do travel for work, but it's still kind of weird how they present it. Yes. Like, it's her- and that's not how they played him at all. They played him like the, 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 the browbeaten guy with no spine. Yeah. So it doesn't track. It's really weird. But he says like, like he had a he had a secret server and there were pictures. And I'm like, oh God, how like, dark is this? Because then you're like, wait, what is this rated? This is where are we going here? Yeah, and at that point, Aaron says We should kidnap him. Tie him to a bed and tattoo I am a serial cheater. Please punch me in the face. And Taylor responds, not missing a beat, mm-hmm. and the performance reads, I have been waiting for you to say that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we should do that. Mm-hmm. At which point Aaron says, oh, my God, you thought I was serious? You're so weak. And and <laughs> and, and, and and you realize this is the moment in, like, you ever, you ever see, like, a movie where there are, like, two serial killers and mm. they meet... And, like, they're feeling each other out and they don't know if I can, like, be a serial killer with you yet. Yeah, so yeah. I think, like, season four of Dexter kind of feeling, yeah, right? That's a good yeah. Example. Like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we're not kidding, are we? No, <laughs> unless we are. I mean, because then it would just be crazy <laughs> unless, like, unless, you know, he deserves to have his head chopped off and buried. Are we, are we doing this? Are we doing this? I, um, I shouldn't. I no. I mean, we're not doing this, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we can't. We can't really do. do but if someone do this, did that. It would like, be cool, you know. right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. I totally. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'd, I'd like it on Facebook. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I that's know. this scene. Yeah. It's so wrong how it plays out, and then it ends with Aaron saying, "I have to go to work." Your penance is you have to clean up dog fecal matter. (laughs) And it's presented that way. Like, they don't show it. And this is, I think, where the rule still stands. Because if this was a dog who saved the holidays, for example, you would see the dog poop. You know, like, if this was a dog on Christmas. Like, there is that dividing line with, is it made for children or is it made for women? And this, like understands that they need to keep that line because they'll they'll show dogs about to poop but they will not show dog poop yeah and that's how you're like dogs are very pure yes yes there is no they don't pee on things you don't see them humping each other like it is a very careful decision and it's one like it's that whole rule about committing to comedy right is that and it's why like these sharknado movies and stuff are kind of like you know it's you know because everybody gets everybody in that movie knows what they're doing and they're not playing it straight whereas you take 
a starship troopers if you will where those actors weren't were told you are playing this straight you are playing this as straight as you can i don't care if you're not actually a good enough actor to make it work that's part that's my job as a director is to make that part of the thing and that's what you you get here is the oh no no they're all kind of mostly in a christmas movie even though there's something going on but no no then we pull back and they're in a christmas movie again and that's what i think this director does that's so interesting is that i think i would love one day to like track him down and, and talk to him and just be like but seriously like every movie you make could be a thriller or could be a christmas movie right because he right. knows that line and he just like tap dances back and forth on it and it's so think, evident here i i think he's bored i think he's yeah. bored and he's trying to entertain Just himself and maybe yep. someone will pick up on his wavelength and then they'll like sort of like their eyes will meet at like a press junket and they'll just be like hmm. you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah, yeah. you know yeah. I was. I have this moment every once in a while where I interview like a filmmaker, and it's just this moment where it was just like, "Hey, was did you throw in a reference to Super Mario Brothers in your really <laughs> dark horror movie?" And the dude's like, "Yeah." You're like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, I really did. I can't believe I got away with it too." But like, <laughs> yeah, like that kind of thing. Is there, because people get bored. There's a million micro yeah. decisions you make on any given movie, and after a while, you just start throwing things in just because it's fun. And this guy who's made so many of these is such a pro that he knows that he can do it really quickly. He can probably throw in whatever he wants and he knows how to cut around it and get like exactly the story he wants. Like, I almost wonder if he has like his own footage after of all the deleted yeah, yeah. scenes that he, he knew like, okay, I, I, I went a little far. this movie with the murders back in. Yeah. And it's called Deviant Love available on Lifetime. Go. Also, his filming style, he is a big um, a big fan of faces, and I don't mean that in, like, a silent film director way. I mean that in, why does his camera get so close at such a low angle to these otherwise very attractive people's faces? I, I Part of me, again, I think it's subversive, but I also think that it's this very run-and-gun kind of style where we're going to get the wide shot. And it's going to be, it's not just going to be like high key lighting, like sitcom lighting. We're going to blow this thing out. Yeah. It's going to be bright. So like there's, there's a reason why you used to see in all the old pictures in Hollywood of all the actors wearing sunglasses. It wasn't because they're so cool. The sun shines on them 24 hours a day. It's because the lights were so bright on the set that when you weren't on camera, you put on sunglasses because you hurt your eyes. Mm. So it's that kind of bright. Yeah. in this movie but like so you get the big wide shot and then i think the close-ups are so you don't have to think about spatial continuity ever again ah, that's smart you know like yeah. it, it doesn't it doesn't lead to a dynamic composition right. just but film all of this one actor scenes in the next hour whether the other actors are there or not you got a movie but you're right it leads to the sense of being uncomfortably close yeah. to somebody yeah. You know, like when you stand even like, let's leave COVID out of it. Let's all try to, if you can, like, remember mm -hmm. what life was like a year, year and a half ago, where if you were talking to someone in public, you would be a couple of feet away. Yeah. You know, like maybe one or two, three ish around there. And then, but this is be like, imagine having a conversation with somebody and you don't know them very well. And, and you're they just right insist in on looming over you. Yeah. You're they're like six inches from you. And, but, the, and that's the, and that's a power move. Yeah. That's a move people do when they're trying to intimidate you or maybe when they're trying to seduce you. Mm -hmm. But it's not a move you do when you're having a casual conversation because it's weird and intimidating. Yeah. Well, it's fitting in this movie because the central romance is very much 
one character deciding he's in a romantic relationship with the lead and her kind of just eventually kind of feeling like, well, you're my boss and I don't know, I, I guess I, I helped you and all the people who work for you, so I guess we're in love, if you say cool. so. It we had a montage, works. I guess we fell in love. Then. <laughs> Almost all the important plot points in this movie happen off screen and we haven't even gotten to no, it. No, no, no. Yeah, so... so, we, so... We, we skipped over the Christmas party. There, there goes, he goes to this office <laughs> oh, Christmas God. party. And it's, it's weird party. and cult-like. So... And they, like, insist on, like, singing songs okay. with her. And they're, like, singing Deck the Halls. And she's all screaming, like, I love this family! You're our family now! One of us! Oh, completely. I only added this the is last a cult. line. But, but nobody, yeah. nobody would guess that this was not... And I don't know, like... It's like San Francisco seems like the perfect place for a cult like this to develop, and it it is. It's a culty environment a lot of the time. You expect to not just work, but to be part of the group a lot of the time. And a lot of uh, workplaces try to like really demand a certain amount of familial kind of connection. And if you're not into that, it's weird and you become an outsider or you feel alienated or you end up getting brainwashed into it and i'm not saying it's all done with malevolent intent but it's being done yes Uh, yes. in the interest of creating a like a quote-unquote working environment yeah sometimes i like my co-workers enough to go along with that usually i don't and the in this movie it's just very quickly you uh, because they're all so close so quickly like and very enthusiastic about each other, which I guess is great. Like in theory, nothing we're saying should be bad. Like if I went yeah, to a new company, time. right? Like and I was there for a day, for three days, I think, and suddenly everybody was like, "Oh my god, you're the greatest! You're going to save this company. You're you live in this house with us now." It, part of me should be like, "Wow, isn't that great? Like this company really cares about me." The other part is exactly run. They have yeah. they have taken a part of you. I have seen too many Stepford inspired movies. This is wrong. They're, they want to become your new family. They're trying to yeah. alienate you from anyone else that you know in the yeah. outside world. They're creating an environment in which you live off their approval. Yes. And in which you actually lose your independence. Well, this is a big plot point because and you're responsible for them. Exactly. Now we we rely on you, so you have a responsibility to us. And now it's harder for you to leave because we're manipulating you. There's yeah. a scene at this party where the boss shows up and this hunky-ish. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he's not my type. He, by Mark Vista um, standards, not by Hallmark standards, if you will. He's, he is what he is. Uh, he uh, he comes in and is like, yeah, I wasn't even going to show up because I didn't care about nothing. <laughs> but anyway, I got all these problems. Would you mind solving this? And she's like, yeah, okay. Well, for one thing, your dog tracker is like... Stupid. It's it's, it's like the size of... I'm trying to even think of what a it Yorkie. is. A it's a it's a giant device that straps around your dog collar, and he's like, "Yeah, I know. I'd like to make it smaller, but the technology hasn't been invented yet." <laughs> Record scratch. <laughs> this movie came out in 2019. Dogs have been being chipped for decades. Yeah, this movie doesn't acknowledge microchipping as a thing at all, at no. all. And then she's like, "Well, what if you reverse engineer a cell phone and just use those like uh, uh, those like." tracking devices yeah yeah so he's like oh so you mean like any gps locator that has been on the marketplace for the last 25 years and she's like yeah i guess that i never thought of it that way oh my god she also says by the way you should rename your company and he's like what it's like because his company is called dog gone which 
She makes the point. It, it actually makes sense as a name because sure. of Dragon Spawn. Right. But she says, like, it skews negative. And he's like, oh, fair enough. Because apparently and- in all of their multi-millions of startup money, they never did any market research, I guess. Never did any market yeah. research and never tried to investigate it. This is like that movie, like in that movie Knocked Up. Where they're trying to create that website that you spend all of that right, right. thinking to yourself, oh, they're in, they don't have Mr. Skin in this movie's universe. <laughs> they're creating a website just like Mr. Skin, and then two thirds of the way through the movie, people are like, you know, that already exists, yeah. right? It's Mr. Skin, and they're like, oh, we've wasted oh. our lives. Like you just Google it. Yeah, and this movie before you start a company. Yeah, d- d- well, that's the other thing too. Is then when they're like, let's rename the company, and they just I forget what they even settle on. Do you remember? At- Go. His initial idea is dog and found. At right. which point, everyone in the office goes, "That's a stupid, that's stupid. name. That's neither an alliteration nor a pun." And I'm like, "Those are not requirements." <laughs> no, they're not. And, and like, I get what he's going for. Is anyone confused about the reference? The, the name is fine. But instead, they like, "Okay, fine. We'll call it Animal Track." And what I love, I don't know if you've ever had to like name a brand or name a company. I mean, probably naming a podcast. You can't just think of words and be like, we got it, we did it, it's done. Like, no, usually you have to do a lot of research. Yeah, probably taken. Something that generic. You check trademarks, you check copyrights, you check web URLs. Like, And I guarantee Animal Tracker has probably been taken already. There's a decent chance. And again, sometimes things are really generic titles. And if you apply them in a different way, you can probably get away with that. But like... Yeah, yeah, you're just not thinking this through. And I get – I'm going to say this right now. I do not look – I do not look to the films of Michael Pfeiffer for, like, accurate business documentary. <laughs> I don't expect him to really think this stuff out. But what I'm offended by is the idea that no one in the audience has a vague idea – of how any of this works. Right. It's where you start to think, ooh, are you being being insulting because mm-hmm. you think your audience is the stereotypical housewife who doesn't work, yeah. right? That that's who these movies used to really be aimed at. And now I think they're aimed more more broadly because the audience grew so much. But there was and, a time. And people watched them ironically, too. So they right, had right. really up their game a little bit and think totally. it out. Totally. When they first started coming out, like, that's why all the early Hallmark ones were very much about career women who were doing it wrong, who had to go back home and, and have kids and all that. And it felt very pointed that it was their way of making entertainment for an audience that they believed were women who were staying home and who were not working. And this yeah. was justification for them and It's like kind all of the movies in the Truman Show, like when when Truman Burbank mm-hmm. in that movie watches TV, every yeah. single movie or TV show he watches has a theme about why it's important to stay home with your family yep, yep. and never travel because it's really dangerous. Like that's kind of the vibe you get from a lot of these Christmas movies where they're not only – conservative in their thinking which is neither here nor there i mean that there's definitely an audience for that but it ends up feeling a little brainwashy in terms of like the worst thing you could possibly do is not live in small town america exactly if you don't like christmas you're going to hell if you don't become a surrogate mother to a wit to a young motherless child you're doing it wrong if you're not baking cookies on christmas and somehow getting flower on your nose in an adorable manner if you have to work to take care of your family at the holidays you're the worst mother ever and an elf should take them away from you that's how it works 
Yeah. I mean, credit, I guess, to this one, because it's not, I mean, it does, I I guess it supports her as a as a working woman. It's not anti-work. It's <laughs> no. Not, it's, it's anti, and if they, indeed there's a bit of a, if, if they capitalized on it, it would have, it would have been good, but there's a bit of an anti, uh, you know, there, there's a bit of an anti-sexism in the workplace message where it turns out that the guy, after she has that conversation, we're like, you need to make the tracker smaller. And you need to rename your company. Like the next day, the mm-hmm. guy at the company is like, I had great ideas. We're going to make the tracker smaller and we're going to rename the company. And she's sitting there going, yep, I'm not going to get mentioned in this mm-hmm. meeting, am I? And she is not. And she's right to be pissed about that. Fair, fair. Although it was like her first day. It was. And he makes a point that like he did sign a thing where any ideas you have for the company while you're at the company belong to the company. And I'm not legally required to give you any. True credit but it is also the thing where everyone's fucking i'm I'm sorry i'm allowed to swear oh yeah please everyone is fucking bouncing around singing deck the halls (laughs) screaming about what a family they are and then we're just taking credit for your stuff the next day that's not what you do in a family yeah it's true you You also don't don't, i don't know you don't seduce your underling like i mean that's always a whole thing going on here in every every movie and this isn't you know this is also true of like hey all of christopher christopher nolan can't make a movie where a you know, intelligent woman doesn't sleep with her boss. So why shouldn't, why should Michael Pfeiffer? But there is that aspect of like, wait, she's working for him. He's kind of promoting her throughout the movie. And then he's also like, I'm in love with you. You're in love with me, right? Like, I don't know. And she she doesn't know. And that's the horrible part. Well, again, you don't, it's hard to get a read on her character. So she goes through a whole thing where it turns out, you know how like in a lot of Christmas movies or even any Christian movies, if someone doesn't like Christmas, it's not for a particularly valid reason. It's never like, eh, you know, it's it's kind of become over overtaken by capitalistic concerns. Well, often it's because my parents died on Christmas. That's my point. It's usually there's this really dramatic, traumatic incident because you, they need to be redeemed. It's not just solving the problem of them liking Christmas. They need to be fixed because yeah. they don't like Christmas. And therefore, something needed to break them. And you'll find this in true in like a lot of Christian movies like the God's Not Dead films, mm. where if you don't believe in God in those movies, it's either because you're a member of the ACLU and you're simply the Satan. Fair. Or... or Someone died, and that made you question God's existence. And that's the only reason. It's not just, I don't buy it. It's always like, no, something hurt me, and I'm angry because I know God is real. And And he's dick. And yeah, and so I'm I'm mad at God. It's not that I can't I don't believe in him because it's impossible not to believe in God because in the mythology In this universe he exists. In this universe, in the story of this of this movie, God most definitely exists. There's no question in Mm -hmm. anyone's mind. So that's true for a lot of the Christmas movies as well, where Christmas is sacred. And they have this moment here, but it's weird because it's not about Christmas. It's about dogs. Oh, yeah. Because he had a dog as a child. And then one day he came home and the dog wasn't there. And she's like, what happened? And we see this flashback of this kid going, mm-hmm. no, like running through a field. Very dramatic. And he's, just like, and he's just like, I don't know, dog napper probably. I'm like, really? <laughs> I don't think, I'm probably not. We're like immediately going to dog napper. And the thing is, is that it's not even like a rare, expensive breed. It was it was a lab. Yeah. Which are very sweet dogs. But I don't know if that's like the high on the they can get those anywhere. A dog napper doesn't need that. Well, so, I, yeah. Like if, if it had been like uh, we found out he was used in like a, you know, as bait in a pit bull ring. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. that's awful. But no, it's just like, but, yeah, my dog's but, gone. Like, so it must oh have my been God, wait a minute. sold if, into white if, slavery. If, I don't know. What if what if what if what if 
his dog was the Airbud dog. <gasps> because the age the timing track. would make sense. Yeah, this guy is probably like when he he would have been like ten years old in the mid nineties, right? Yep. Which is when Airbud yeah. became a thing. People were constantly oh. trying to kidnap Airbud in of those. Of course movies they were. He was amazing. Or, he could play every or, sport. Yeah, yeah. So maybe wow. he was the original Airbud owner, oh, and then he was it. stolen by that clown in the first one, and then he found a new home, and mm-hmm. so like, and that's why. So like, that would explain Dog Man. That was some dog. Into... So now we understand the cinematic universe. This is a part of, mm-hmm. and it's better now. Yeah. Uh, but in any case, that's why he never made another connection with the dog, which of course explains why he started a company about dogs. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well. What? Yeah. Yeah, and they never even. They never even go, they just keep asking him, well, why did you do that? And it's never, he never has an answer. No. Right? Never. So the movie, the movie is starting to like kick into its final gears. They've given away a lot of these puppies. A lot of them are given away off camera. So, so much Most of that Most of them are, yes. Um, and uh, they're going to go on a business trip to New York. <laughs> of course they are. investor before the company goes under. And they've never met their primary investor because that's how business works. Uh, and he brings uh, uh, Aaron with him uh, because reasons. And mm. they get on a plane, and she's like, ooh, first class. And I'm like, you didn't look at your tickets? <laughs> you didn't know when you were boarding? You never, you never, this didn't come up? You didn't realize you were boarding first? <laughs> like, okay, we're, we're a little distracted today, aren't we, Aaron? Okay. So well, I mean, she might have been on Xanax the whole movie. Maybe. That would actually that makes it, a lot it of does sense. But, right. But they sit down in in uh, uh, first class, and she's awful to him. Yeah, she's just horrible and tells him what a horrible human being he is. And ostensibly, it's to help him like get over his fear of flying. And then he's just like, "Wow, did you just did you just distract me by making me angry so that I wouldn't freak out while the plane was taking off?" He's like, "No, you're just a terrible human being, and I don't <laughs> like you." And he's like, "Oh," and then he's like, "I'm." I want it. I, I, you, you and me, we're, we're a thing now. Uh, there's a montage of them in New York mm-hmm. City, of course, talking, and I guess that's where the connection happened because I don't see it anywhere else in the film. They probably realize at no point do these characters fall in love, so we just need to throw in them yeah. walking around like Central Park or whatever, chatting, but we can't hear what they're saying, and the audience will fill in the blanks. Yeah, and well, and then at nighttime they have like a midnight phone call. He comes up to a room. Oh my god, this might be the first time in one of these movies that they have implied that characters have had sex. Oh, they definitely had sex. Yeah, and he comes up to her room. Like she wakes up the next morning, and there's like a rose next to her with a letter. But I, I'm watching this, and my at this point there's a lot there's a lot in this movie that made my jaw drop, but nothing as hard as this one because yeah. I'm like, oh my, you can't, you can't, you can't sucks. These movies are so chased. Yeah, and even like before COVID, and I remember thinking, oh, they're shooting these movies at COVID. Wow, these are going to be what difference that will make. Chased. Yeah, like how much more chase? Oh can no, you we get? won't get the tiny closed mouth kiss at the very end of the movie. Ooh. And even that seemed like everyone was outside their comfort zone half the time. But like, yeah, here they here they the deed is done. Yeah. Uh they they talk on the phone and there's this bit where like, oh my god, are we watching the same movie on TV? And she's like, Yeah, the one about the woman who goes to New York and the guy who goes to propose to her at the top of the Empire State Building. And I'm like, Yeah, I half remembered an affair to remember once too. <laughs> That's not what happened in that movie. I don't know what movie you're thinking of, but that is not a thing. 
<laughs> I was trying to figure that out. I'm like, are they talking about Sleepless in Seattle? Because it's not how it works. Because Sleepless in Seattle is just a it's remake like a play of on Affair to Remember. And then Affair to Remember was a remake of Love Affair, mm. and they all have basically the same plot. Sleepless in Seattle is cute about it, but like, they all have basically the same plot. But that happens in none of those movies. <laughs> this was the Marvista production version of that. Uh, I think yes. that's how that works. Yeah. And 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 affair to it happens. <laughs> yes, yes. I don't think you can use the word affair. That might be too. Oh, scary. sorry. Uh, yeah. a, a happening once. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That I will not forget. Uh, she. Uh, so it's the morning, and they're going to mm-hmm. go off to their big meeting. And who should happen to be in the lobby? He didn't know she'd be there. Total coincidence. Her ex. Mm. And he tries to get back together with her, and she's like, "No." no and I'm no. like, no. "Uh." Okay, A, you're a serial killer, but even still, you deserve better than that guy. Right. And so he's just like, but I would like to. And she's like, well, no. And then he, like, puts his hand on her arm, and she's like, okay, this is getting weird, and you need to stop touching me right now. And that's when Rich Dudemar comes in and, like, gets into a scuffle. They fight. A cop shows up. He doesn't know who to arrest, so he just arrests both guys. And even though there was only one witness, he doesn't ask her to join them. <laughs> well, she has a board meeting to go to. She So she has to do this board meeting all by herself. And so we're thinking to ourselves, okay, so we're going to get this big scene where she has to speak to the board mm-hmm. meeting, believe in the company, we're believe in herself. picturing big business right now. It's yeah. all there. It's the big climax of the mm-hmm. movie. Cut to later that afternoon. <laughs> Cut to director running out of money. They, I don't know what that, maybe the scene didn't work. I mean, they just, yeah, maybe they just ran out of schedule, whatever. But like cut to later that day, dude is out of jail. She's out of the meeting. She says, yeah, I did the meeting. And it was a really funny set piece. And it didn't, and we didn't get to watch it because I gave the whole speech and I was feeling really good about myself. And then their translator came in because they didn't speak English and I didn't get the gig and I ruined everything for us. By the way, I don't, I don't know who to blame for this, but someone deserves to be slapped in the face because when they talk about their investors and I believe they're Japanese. Yes. The soundtrack (gasps) does that, does that uh, really offensive riff so that, you know, they're from the continent of Asia. Well, I wonder if that's why they cut the scene. If they actually filmed it, they were like, Whoa, maybe we shouldn't have, maybe we should have just splurged and tried to hire Asian actors and not like, you know, just Ooh. yellow faced up our, our um, oh, extras. Like, I wonder if they actually realized, oh crap, we went way too far in the scene. Cause you can picture them filming it. And cause I mean, how many Asian people have you ever seen in one of these movies? I don't They're... think Michael, Michael Pfeiffer knows any. So maybe they, that was an issue. If they keep talking up this investor. Like maybe we got like one good get like George Takei or someone like that was going to come in for one day, half a day, hear a speech and go, I like your product. I will invest. And then the movie's over. Yeah. And that's because that's how they play it up. Like, it's just like the one. Because there's right. often these movies, like, one actor who's, like, a little too good for it. And they never leave their office. And they do half the role on their own. Oh, yeah. Phone. Often like, that's Eric that Roberts. One? But, yeah. Like, off, yeah. Well, the one I keep thinking of is, I forget what it is offhand. But there's one with Christine Taylor from Zoolander mm. where she plays a hard-nosed reporter who goes to a small town where there's a guy who lives as though he's Santa Claus and everyone calls him Santa Claus even though he couldn't possibly be Santa oh, Claus and yeah. Vivica Fox is her boss and mm. she does every single scene in the movie in, behind her. Yeah. Face. That's Vivica Fox does a lot of them. She does a lot of the ones for 
A lot of the ones that Eric Roberts ends up in, too. Like, she works with... It's not Dakota. It's another director that she works a lot with and seems to do that. Like, I remember one day, I think I can't remember if it was Hallmark or Lifetime, was like, it's a Vivica A. Fox marathon on. And it was just her in one scene of every movie. Nice. I interviewed David Dakota once. Boy, does that guy have stories. Oh, my God. I can imagine. He's done everything. And I was surprised to learn that the actual truth behind Eric Roberts being in A Talking Cat was we're, we're like we're neighbors and i just came over with my laptop and he recorded the entire thing in his living room yeah. that day and i'm like oh okay i kind of thought that maybe <laughs> i never would have sound. imagined that yeah based it's on the sound like, quality of the, movie. the other thing i confirmed that is I, a lot of people believe about david dakota's movies because if you've seen a lot of late era david dakota movies they almost all take place in the same house yes that crazy it's- weird mansion really big mansion yep. and there's a couch that's like half a car that's like a leg yeah and I've seen almost every review I've seen of these movies, like A Talking Cat or the various 1313 mm-hmm. thrillers, which are these fascinating yeah. uh, 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 queer thrillers that are just absolutely incredible because they all take place in the same house. And yet they're all about entirely different things. Like this one's about Hercules. This one's about killer bees. Uh. But a lot of people assume that's David Dakota's house. It is not. Yeah, it's what is it? It's like it's, one of his producers or just somebody he knows and borrows it from, right? Yeah. Get the, he, and apparently, he can't even get that house anymore. But Aww. like, there was a time when he could do it, so he shot a ton of stuff at nice. this house because it was instant production value. But for the record, if you're curious and if you keep saying it, not his house, and he even just said, if it was, I would be shouting it from the rooftop. <laughs> I'd be proud of that house. Yeah, I, I can't afford that. Who can? You know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, so this entire climax was off camera. But here's the twist <laughs> for me. Her entire climax of the film is off camera. And so is his, because while we weren't looking at her boardroom meeting, we also weren't looking at him mysteriously finding an investor while he was in prison. Mm -hmm. And also, it was his estranged father, (laughs) who we had not met or heard of. Or heard a word about. Nor did we know they were estranged until just now. Yeah. I reconnected with my father, who's going to invest in the company. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Also, it turns out that the money he's investing in the company is my inheritance, so it was mine to begin with, and we literally never had a problem. And never had to do any of this. I could have called my daddy months ago. This was all in my bank account, and we never had a thing. But it makes sense, though, in a way, because what, what did Martin really get out of it was he got Aaron... And then we find out shortly after in the big finale, right, when they go back and there's a party and they're like, hey, the company saved. Great. There's Carly who's like, I knew it was you all the time. I've been stalking you for my brother. Like, so the whole thing was kind of a setup. This entire movie was to get these two characters together. Let's be clear here. We're not saying that Carly, the sister, like met Aaron and thought she'd be good for her brother and just sort of got into the same room together. No. Yeah. She heard that there was a good dog therapist from a mutual friend, stalked her on social mm-hmm. media, invited her to to move across the country. Before for a job she with... knew that she was not getting married. Yeah. So she knew she was affianced at the time and <gasps> was going to get married that weekend. And so she would have come married and would have broken up that marriage for her to be with her brother. Do you think she and... planted the photos on his hard drive? Oh my god! Carly's tracks. a tech, right? She's a programmer. Like that we, kn- that's like a little tiny detail about her. It's like, oh, oh I've worked god. for a lot of startups. Yeah, I'm a programmer. I'm a developer. I'm a graphic designer. 
I hadn't even thought of that. Mm-hmm. You're probably right. Mm-hmm. That, that's a lot of Photoshop. She could do it. Uh, so like so she she schemed for weeks, if not months, to offer her a job, move her across the country, yeah. give her a house, give her a job that she is not qualified for, and indeed has no reason to be there whatsoever. And in the end, it turns out the only reason I did this was I really wanted you to fuck my brother. <laughs> so <And> it worked. <laughs> now other theories because what is the gift that carly gives to erin at the very end she's like merry christmas i got you something it's a photo album which okay that's sweet like it's like oh our first couple you know the three days that we've spent together here are photos of it's it's supposed to be of them giving away all the dogs and all the families they met along the way but the last picture we see is a picture of carly like in a santa outfit kind of smiling at the camera like very flirtatious if Mm. she had kept turning that page it would have been nudes, right? It had to have been nudes next. Oh, God. Like, where I was thinking the whole time, I'm like, yes, Carly wanted Aaron to fuck her brother, but I think really it was a way for Carly to get in on that. Maybe. I'll, I'll tell you this, though. I did suspect something was up with that photo album because some of the photos in that album, she was not there that day. <gasps> so she there, there's a lot Drones. going on here. Drones. So at the very least, she hacked the phone. Yes. At the very, very least. So, yeah, this and, and of course, everything's fine because, you know, if if you're I, I guess the, the movie's philosophy is uh, if you're into your stalker. Oh, it's fine. Then yeah. everyone wins. Right. Yeah. Which is very much the truth of any Lifetime thriller. Well, that's it's true. fine that's for a while for until lot. it turns. That's actually true for a lot of classic literature. Like if you look at the yeah. way that like a lot of classic romance stories go, like if that tr- transposed to today, that would not be acceptable. Will be very true. That'd be nothing but red flags. Yeah. In yeah. a majority of the major romantic stories that we cling to. Yeah, and the difference um, now is that we see it, I guess, and we look for it. Yeah, we have the we have the words for it and we understand context and we expect better for ourselves. Um a weird movie, isn't it's it? It's a very weird one. Why don't we run through the list just to see? Because I Let's think it fits most of them, but you're right. There is a little bit of crafting we have to do. Um so the yeah, first there's one a few maybe like even the first one, our lead in need of a lesson. What does she need to learn? Because it, it opens as if she needs to learn to love Christmas. And she does by the end of the movie. But, but they only mention that once. The one time. So it's I know. fine. I guess she needs to learn to not uh, be bad. Sure. No, that gets her love at the end. Um yeah. Like, she ultimately does nothing in her... In her the, yeah. This movie does not judge any of her actions. She is the hero of this movie, and she is one that does not actually go through any kind of change. I guess he kind of goes through yeah. a change, so if you want to, this would be like a two-hander. Yeah, this is the, the uh, poor little rich boy who needs to learn to love Christmas. Yeah. It's, it's the flip of there that. Um, well, we'll get to that in a second. Yes, yes, yes. So number two is the setting, which is our big bad city that, first of all, let's talk about their Brooklyn apartment. Um, God. Yeah, <laughs> the house I grew up. In. I know. The, 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 I pause the scene because my husband walks in. and I say to him, "Where do you think they're supposed to be?" And he looks and he just he's waiting for me. I'm like, "They're in Brooklyn," and he just shakes his head and walks away. He's like, yeah. <laughs> "Because no, that is no apartment in Brooklyn." We do get a lot of establishing shots of New York, and then I will say, like, they must have filmed in New York at some points. Yeah. So I mean, they filmed clearly in summertime because nobody is wearing stockings or or anything for December. But you know, credit for that. And then San Francisco in this is almost treated like a charming small town because it's a cult. 
right? The business is the charm yeah. of small towns. Yeah, very much, the, the, very much. That's the idea here, is that because she only spends time with people from the business or her, like, friend who's in this really weird, dominated relationship. Like, later on in the film, like, she talks to Taylor on the phone when she's in New York, and she's like, Taylor's like, oh, yeah, and I met someone while I'm here, one of your coworkers. He's really nice. And she's like, you don't deserve that. <laughs> and Taylor says, I know. You're right, I don't. I and don't, like, mommy. Oh, <laughs> so, it's like, is she supposed to, like, hit herself now? Is it like, okay, now I, now you, ha- you know what that means. You have to go get the see, belt. And you, you have ever to see the Duke of Burgundy? I've always meant to, but I have not yet. I, that's the vibe I got, mm. but it's actually less healthy than in the Duke of Burgundy. <laughs> because that's, the, everyone's at least on board with that. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, mm-hmm. All right, anyway, so, yeah, it's kind of a charming small town. And but the small town is a small business, yes, so it's a exactly. bit of a workaround. But we get the vibe. but it works, yeah. That's so number three is the bland love interest, and Martin. I like to call him Martin because that's how everybody cheers his name. They say they don't say Martin; they say Martin. Martin. <laughs> you sound like Sidney Poitier saying Martin. In <laughs> yes, uh, San Franciscans are very well enunciated, I guess. I guess so. Yeah. Um, what I like too is that he's got like I guess him and his sister are supposed to be Southern in at some points. They both have, like, a very slight twang. Yeah, that... but they never really get into that no. at all. And their dad doesn't. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe they get it from their mom. I don't yeah. know. But yeah, this is definitely the poor little rich boy uh, yes. thing here. Yes, 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 yeah. very much. And number four is the montage, of which we have so many. Um, yeah, there's a mon- there's a montage of them falling in love. Yep, yep, es- yep. Essentially off camera while on camera. There's a montage of them getting the business in order, which is really funny <gasps> because I love like that one. as as they're like soldering circuit boards <laughs> and like making the thing smaller, like everyone in the business is hovering over them. Like, yeah, we don't need to keep this. It's thing, like, no, like, you're in HR and you're yeah. you're the receptionist. Like, can you give him room? Um, that's also there's a giving away puppies montage within that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the the falling in love montage I loved because it was it was very much like a herpes commercial, right? <laughs> it's there's a sunset. It's them walking and just constantly laughing and talking, but we don't know what they're talking about. Oh, I'm my favorite! I'm not gonna let cold sores get in the way of my life. And whenever you see something like that, don't you wonder what the actors were like really like yeah. saying all that whole time? Um, and the, there's a, yeah, sorry. Oh no, no, the song I, that they play in that one is great. Uh, because it's one of these fake Christmas songs, and it, one of the, the lyrics is, I don't want to deck the halls or jingle all the way. It's like a song that's anti-public domain holiday song. Yeah. It's, uh, there's a song at the beginning of the movie, which yeah. is just very generic, like, Christmas Sleigh is bells. a thing we do, and I like it. And Snow. I like you, like that kind of like completely innocuous. Mm-hmm. But then there's one lyric as the credits are rolling where they mention puppies yep. where it sounds different and I think they re-recorded <laughs> one lyric oh that makes perfect just sense just to fit the movie I, it, would, it really does I don't know if that's true but I would not be shocked it's a lyric. no 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 it, it tracks it definitely tracks uh, now number five is our dead parents and uh, do we know about her family because she's all alone it's not mentioned. It's implied okay. she's all alone. Yeah. I will say this. I think the kidnapped dog. I was thinking the same. It's this beat. Yeah. Because yeah. it really is treated as if this this boy died and became a man when mm. the thing that loved him most left him. So Because becoming a man is basically emotionally shutting yourself off. Obviously. That's, yeah. I mean, this yeah. is America. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> now, number six is our sassy sidekick, which we like. Erin kind of has too because she has her yeah. her dom and her sub or whatever you want to call yeah. them. She's got Carly, and then she's got Taylor. Yeah, she's got two. Very, yeah. very. He has none. He has no friends. No, no. Well, I mean, sister, not so. surprising. The thing I yeah. like um, is that normally our sidekick wears really over overly ornate dangly earrings. And now Carly doesn't, but the last scene at the Christmas party, she's got her hair back and she's got like her long tendrils in like very, very 90s style curly, like prom hair tendrils, which sort of gave the effect of dangly earrings. It's, it's, it re the implication is here's a person who is fun, but also someone who isn't as conventionally alluring as our protagonist. So they won't get in the way. That's usually the rule of this. Yeah. Yeah, it's like at the end of uh, Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol, Ooh, I haven't where I, uh, uh, you see at the end of the movie that you know Ethan Hunt, you thought his like wife was dead the whole time, and it turns out she's alive, and she's in like witness protection, and he like spies on her from across like a lake, and like you see that she's with people, and but the only guy she's with, like kind of reads, he, he's he's a big, uh, really tall, uh, guy, and he reads pretty gay like that's mm. just like his, his garb so it's like she has friends but it's okay she's still Ethan's. she's still available yeah and that's something that it's like wow that's that's a hell of a casting choice mm. where they and, and, and costuming choice where like specifically this needs to read she has friends but she's not dating that's your job actor yeah that's a tough gig yeah that's a tough gig. So that's yeah. the kind of thing that, like, that kind of best friend in these Hallmark movies has got to be, where you've got to be appealing, but you've also got to be so appealing that we uh, – you can't be so appealing that we're not questioning why you don't have your own subplot. Right. No. You, she, know, you, you, you exist to support. Yeah. Yeah, we, we cannot be overly – it is, and it's a tricky thing. It's very much the – it's like what I always say, um, I'm a big figure skating man fan. And it's yeah. very much like the man's role in figure skating is to not be noticed. He's doing just as much work as the woman. He's doing all the lifts. He's actually working in some cases. What he's doing is so much harder because yeah. you are not supposed to ever finish a figure skating performance and think, oh, the guy was so good. No, no, no. You're supposed to be watching the woman. He is supposed to be presenting her and making her look good. Totally, totally. Yeah, and that's what you get here is the sassy sidekick has to be there to make the lead even more appealing make you want to root for her even more you you want to think she's cute you want to be you want to smile when she comes on screen but you can't ever take your start to think i wonder what carly's doing in her spare time and we've seen this and we've seen this happen by the way we've actually seen it go kind of awry if you saw the movie happiest season yes yes like by the way i know that i know some people mm-hmm. are really divided i, I was that. a fan of it yeah well, like one of the reasons why at the, a lot of people at the end of that movie were like, God, I wish she'd ended up with Aubrey Plaza right. is because they made that character so appealing mm-hmm. that the audience turned on one of the characters in the love story because Aubrey Plaza, who only just comes in and is awesome for a few scenes yep. and doesn't actually demonstrate the kind of depth that long-term relationships are based on, just seems like such a refreshing change of pace. Right. So you actually... This is actually important. You do need to make sure that how you cast people, how you get people to look, doesn't distract from the narrative because it can't. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. 
Now, number seven is our evil woman figure or a evil boss figure. Well, that's our protagonist. So yes. We're good. Yeah, very, very much, very much. <sighs> Most evil person in the film. I, I am like getting chills just thinking about her. Like, it's th- there's an iciness to her in, in a very dark way. Uh, now, number right eight. Yep. Yeah. Oh, totally. Now, number eight is Slapstick, which for a movie with puppies, we don't really get much. No, it's actually kind of devoid of humor, yeah. really. Most of the humor ends up falling into these kind of weird, creepy beats. Right. I guess the closest thing we've got is when Taylor is left alone with the dogs and she's just like, oh, I don't know if I can clean up your poop because it implies slapstick. Right. But we don't actually see We it. see none of it. Yeah, totally. Like, if we cut to Taylor, like, and the dogs are all over her, she's like, no! Right, or like, like her hair is astray or something. Yeah. But Chasing them around yeah. the apartment or whatever. That's the moment, but they didn't put that in there. They did not. Because her lot is to suffer. Her lot is to suffer, and I think it probably would have been expensive to have her have to change her hair, yeah. right? Because it just would have been too much. Because then it's like, oh, no, but the next scene we're going to film in five minutes and then wrap up the movie, uh, you're supposed to look kept together again. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's just that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, number nine is our sage old person. Which is dad, but it's off camera. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Yeah, which is an odd choice. But number 10 I'm excited about because it's Santa Claus, which yeah. we don't get a real Santa Claus, but we do get these these scenes of, of Martin as dressed up as Santa. Yeah, I forget if we mentioned that. It turns out the Santa in the elevator, who she was constantly sexual harassing yeah. through the film, uh was Martin the whole yeah. time and he had been like doing like charity work with kids in the morning and then for whatever reason leaving on his full garb before he went into the office and yeah okay and I... that's my other favorite scene is when she's kind of confronting him about being a terrible person and he's like I do charity work she's like yeah but do you do it for yourself or because it's the right thing to do and it's like, well, but isn't that always true? Like, yeah, everybody yeah. that does charity work does it because it makes them feel good. Like, they want to help people, yeah. but who the, really this, knows this, what, why you're doing it? The idea of that if it's not pure altruism, that it's worthless. Yeah. That if you get any personal satisfaction out of doing the right thing, then doing the right thing is tainted. So you might as well be Just evil. not do it. Yeah. I don't understand that mindset at all. No. Doing nice things is nice. Yeah. Uh, I don't I'm, understand what's so hard about that. I, 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 maybe it's something they teach you in canine therapy school. I don't know. It would be one know. thing if all he did, I, I would say this, it would be one thing if all he did was cut a check and then just send it away. And he did, yeah. no, it was all a tax write-off. Right. That would be one thing. He's dressing up as Santa. Like every day, with- apparently. Every day. Yeah. That's, even, if it's, even if he is doing it to make himself feel better, he's putting like it's in the still a work. pretty nice thing to do, yeah. Yeah, like, I'm sorry, at some point it doesn't matter. Like, right. he's putting in so much work, he's doing fine. Like, he's committed. Like, it's weird. Man, I, I would hate to disappoint Aaron. Right? Like, just then, then you gotta clean up the poop again. Yeah, oh, that's the least of your problem. Uh, now we get into the bonus round, which is just a whole bunch of things that usually show up. So, public domain holiday songs... Jingle Bells is, like, how many times in this movie? Uh, several. Deck the Halls is sung mm-hmm. by an entire Yep, group. yep, yep, yep. Um, um, there is, oh, did you catch uh, when, I think it was when her ex shows up again, uh, there is a sound cue that I think was supposed to be Jaws. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 
easy to do Jaws because Jaws is only two notes. It's like two notes. It's, it's really hard to get caught yeah. like as a copyright yeah. infringement there. But yeah, but yeah, it's definitely evoking that. Yeah, totally. yeah. Listen for it, people. Listen for it. Um, cloying, cock blocking child. The only kids, like it's just the two, like a couple of poor kids who get puppies, and they seem fine. Yeah. They, if anything, they help bring this pair together. So they, they yeah, actually are. This isn't a thing. This no, no, not thing. here, not no, here. There's no cock blocking in this movie. In nope, fact, nope. Uh, if anything, <laughs> God, the, no. the, the cocks have it too easy. Very easy. Uh, now the next one is ice skating, which just shows up a lot in the establishing shots. Yeah, but none of the protagonists. Unfortunately not. Uh, Canadianisms or signs that the movie was not filmed in winter. Okay, well, it's not in Canada. I'll give it that much, unless maybe they filmed it on some sound stages. But uh, this was clearly not filmed in winter. Although setting it in L.A. takes a bit. Setting it in California takes a bit of the curse off of that. But here's the thing. Actually, there's snow in Northern California. So (laughs) it probably would have been, at the very least, crisper than what we saw. And you can argue, like, yesterday in New York, it was 60 degrees. Like, sure, it happens in December. But there's a scene where they're all bundled up, and then the doorman who opens the door for them is in a, a, like, short sleeve shirt. And in winter, like, doormen of fancy uh, uh, hotel buildings in New York, like, no, they're wearing the full-out Christmas stuff. They are not wearing T-shirts. No, absolutely. And that's the sort of thing where, again, you could argue, well, yeah, but sometimes it's unseasonably warm or cold. And I'm like... Yeah, if it's a plot point, you can do that. Otherwise, <laughs> you're trying to convey visual yeah. information quickly and clearly. And if you're going to betray the audience expectations, there needs to be a reason for it. Otherwise, you're not doing it quickly and clearly. You're just confusing us, and then we're going to get distracted by it. Mm-hmm. And then we're not thinking about the story. So Yeah, just get them a lightweight coat from Old Navy that's in seasonal yeah. colors, and you're fine. Um, now, character with a Christmas-related name, I don't know that we had any here. I don't think we did. Yeah. I'm trying to look over the kit, the list. It seems here. like the, I mean they could have done it very easily with the dogs, but like it could have been yeah. like, oh, there's no, we have Donner and Blitzen, but they didn't even go there. No, unless there was some like last because I'm looking at the IMDb page right now. Nobody has a last name uh, <laughs> in, this, in this movie. Well, they they uh, don't have one because when they join the company, they all have to. Mm-hmm give away all you know connections to their past lives well that's sad and horrifying yeah, but uh, you know. yeah i don't think no there aren't any christmas names yeah uh no christmas tree lighting either right no mm-hmm. there's a big christmas tree and it's so weird when she moves into her fully furnished house <laughs> like carly here's what carly says like the previous tenant left very suddenly and left <laughs> all of her stuff all of her furniture and all of her christmas decorations <laughs> and i'm like how suddenly are we talking about here? And by when you and when you say left, do, do you, you mean left this mortal coil? Do you mean left as in, in the she backyard? is or bear? I was thinking in between the walls, but yeah, yeah. One I of the two, definitely. Watched, uh, before Quibi uh, uh, fell apart, I watched some of a show they had called Murder House Flip. Oh, is, was that the Murder She Wrote ish one? No, you're okay. thinking of um, the, the Mapleworth Murder. Yes, I am. That. Uh, Murder House Flip was a reality show about really cheerful <gasps> home decorators who go to houses where real life murders <gasps> happens and try to take the curse off of it. Aww. And the first one they go to is this house in San Francisco where there was this serial killer who buried a bunch of people in the backyard. And the whole thing is, we're going to add a gazebo. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, um, interesting choice. And we're going to add a swing. And I'm like, there's not enough space in front of that swing for anyone to get any height. And if they do, they're going to fall on the pointy, like, rod iron <laughs> fence. 
And then there's another one where it's just like, yeah, maybe this person was murdered in this house and maybe the murder weapon is shut up here in this in this chimney. We're going to tear down the chimney. And I'm like, that is original marble. That is extremely expensive. And you're replacing that with the chintziest chimney I've ever seen. And wouldn't the cops have done that already if it was that important? Yeah. Well, of course, and they always joke about like, oh, so maybe we'll find some body parts in the backyard. <laughs> no, you did not. Because if you did, we would have heard about this. You've been bragging about it with the part of the listening. And you would not so, have been no. filming it anymore because the police you would have never, come in. You never found anything. So all you did was ruin the historical value of these houses. <laughs> and it's awful. And Quibi so, is gone now. Quibi is gone. Quibi, God rest you, Mary Quibi. Like you, you, you were too pure for this world, except for the whole, you know, not paying union wages thing. But whatever. Other than that, we're in the experiment. Moving on. Uh, let's see. So karaoke is the next one. And they sing deck the halls. Well, it, the best thing was it deck the halls or jingle bells, where they're like everybody sing, and the best is I think it's Aaron is like I know this one. It's deck the halls. Yeah. Right, like, yeah. it, it's the weirdest, it's, it's like, okay, you say, like, I know this one when you go to a concert. It's like, yeah. I know this one. It's the, the, the oh, song. This is the B-side. Oh, I know <laughs> right? this. Yeah. 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 No, no, this is Deck the Halls, and she's shocked that she knows it. And when she starts singing along with, like, eight people singing Deck the Halls awkwardly, that's when she screams, I love this family! <laughs> Something was in that eggnog. Uh, now, the next one is the sprinkle sound effect, which Explain is... the sprinkle one. I, I'm oh, curious. I don't know the terminology. Man, I, I'm, I wish I had... I should have queued it up, and, and I'll have it. It's this, like, like this kind of, like, wind chimey sound. It is sometimes... Yes. Um, sometimes it is subtitled as ethereal twinkling. Mm-hmm. Sometimes as a whoosh... Uh, chime sound. It's something magical is happening at Christmas. Yes, time. it's a sparkle. Uh, I, I think the um, I think sparkle sparkle dust is one term for it. I Got think it. my uh, the file that I had downloaded to play it, I believe, is like fairy magic sprinkle or something like that. And Got it's it. the sound that like they'll throw in a lot when anything magic happens, or when they're just trying to elevate something in a scene. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't happen as much in this movie, but it does during their phone call. When oh, right yeah. before they do it, and it just keeps playing. Like it just like bring, 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 just the entire phone conversation it, it, that, leading that's up not to a sprinkle sound effect. That's a red alert. <laughs> all right, that's, that's, the, that's finally getting all the red flags. But dang it, he's right here, and eh, I'm on the rebound. Let's do this. Or is it Carly's tracker that she's installed in the phone, telling her they're gonna do it? They're gonna do it. Turn the camera on. They're gonna do it. All right. Uh, let's see the next thing: the careful balance of red and green in costumes. Aaron, I think, pretty much like only wears red and green. Uh, mostly, yeah. They, yeah. they only call attention to it a few times, but yeah. uh, this is in there. But it's not as pronounced as it is and often is in movies of this. Yes, because they don't put him in green often. Where usually that's yeah. the way you kind of combine them. But in yeah. this one, like Aaron is wearing red a lot, which I don't think is the right color for her. But uh, no, especially not the red that they go with. Yeah. It's like this weird kind of all, almost almost off magenta, which is just not. An, an attractive color on anyone. No, it's, it's like business Barbie got. red. Like it's not red. It's it's this like you're right. It's it's, it's what typically it's you would tang. have tang. tang. Yeah, it's very very tangy. That's where I'd go. And it doesn't it doesn't flatter her. Very attractive no. woman, but not the right color for her. No. Um, 
baking, I don't think they bake. We get the, the very dramatic um, reheating, if you will, of Thanksgiving. But after that, no. there's no real like... There's no baking. There's the scene in the kitchen at the party, but I think there might be snacks around. Right, right. But there's no, there's no, they, they actually go out of their way to avoid yeah. eating, which brings us to our final Of notion. course, which is the yeah. actor's inability to act with an empty coffee cup or to pretend to eat. And again, there's a dinner scene right at the beginning, mm-hmm. but that's it. Well, and the dinner scene, it's very much them like moving things with their forks, but not putting it in their mouths. Right. Yeah. Which my theory on that, and you who have seen more movies and probably know more about this than I do, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I've always assumed it's the whole, well, if we have you actually take a sip or take a bite, now when we do the next cut of this scene, we have to make sure that you don't, you know, that that bite's still there or that you, you take a bite again. Yeah, and it just seems like it would add so much cost to a production. Well, and the and normally I would say yeah, but in a movie with this low budget and this <laughs> sort of tight schedule, you're only doing a couple of a couple of uh, of uh, angles. So it's probably not as and they're bad, all very close to your face. What a, what a more but there are other practical considerations beyond that. Yes, that is a factor. You also don't want like your actors to get sick. True. Like if you have like oh you're gonna eat this tuna fish sandwich under these hot lights all afternoon. Like, that's probably not a good idea. Fair, fair. But uh, also in terms of just continuity, in terms of what's going to be on the plate. Mm. You know? So, like, you always... we Listen, we're not going to make, you know, turkey all day. So just move it around a little bit. Make it look like you're eating it. But if you if we do have to do a lot of takes of this, there's just not going to be any turkey left on your plate. And then you'll have nothing to eat again. Yeah. So there's a million different reasons why this is a thing. Yep. Very, very rare. Uh, they used to have this exact same problem with cigarettes in movies where they have characters mm. who are smoking all the time, but then the length of the cigarette would constantly would change. Dramatically. Yeah. Robert De Niro talked about this when he was making Casino. He said the trick is to always, as a, and this is a trick as an actor, uh, to always hold the cigarette, regardless of how long the cigarette actually is, so that there's the same different distance between your fingers and the end of the cigarette. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. yeah, so the audience will probably never pick up on that, that you're carrying it maybe a little too high or a little too low. but Because the, the, they're looking at the, right, the, the tip of it as opposed, and that is what you make it, basically. Exactly. So there's a way, there, there are tricks, but yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I can't think of a better note to close on than comparing, you know, the performances in 12 Pups of Christmas to De Niro. Uh, listen, De Niro wishes... He was in 12 Pups of Christmas. So I would did. love for him to play Santa Claus in one of these movies. Oh, he's right. Played, oh, he'd be a great Santa. Wouldn't he? Like, he'd be like the, you know, the diner owner that always, like, winks at the camera and, like, loves yeah. Christmas and his name is Nick or Nicky. Yeah. I bet his name is Nicky in this case. And, yeah, you, know, you know, these movies used to do that more. I know. The I last know. few years have gotten really, which is weird because they're not secular. Yeah, you're right, but <laughs> it's... Very, well, you know, Christmassy. The weirdest one to do this, I think, is um, the Pr- Princess Switch movies, which have I still, had... I still haven't watched those. We're actually <sighs> going to watch those this weekend. Okay, look out for in both movies. There is a character. I believe he is credited as the elf-like man or elf man, and he's like shows up towards the end of both movies, and you're like, oh, is he magical? But they don't do anything with him. But he's credited as elf man, so you're like There's... wondering what, where is this going. There's a, the movie, the Hallmark movie this year, The Christmas House, okay. uh, has a character, a minor character who runs a magic shop in town. You know how these small towns can like Always have a magic totally shop. support like a giant sized magic supply store? Naturally, yeah. Uh, 
So he runs this place, and he's he's a big guy with a beard, but he's young. He's like maybe 35. Hmm. So I never thought he could be Santa. And then it turns out later on he might be buying the Christmas house. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, so he's just some eccentric guy in town. And then later on when they say the guy mysteriously dropped his bid for the Christmas house. And then, like, we cut to outside the window and there's, like, a Santa ornament or something outside the window vaguely implying Mm. maybe he was Santa. But it never (gasps) actually tracks. Wow. It makes no actual sense at all. That's, like, experimental for Hallmark. Yeah. I think my favorite um, Santa reveal is the movie that kind of kick-started the whole thing, I think, which was Christmas Under Wraps, because that was such a huge success. That movie, I actually quite like that movie, and I love that they never actually come out and say it. It's just the very end of the movie, Like, because I remember watching that movie, I'm like, this movie is almost over, and we still haven't confirmed that Brian Doyle Murray is Santa Claus. Yeah, like, we, we've been tap dancing around it this entire time, yep. and maybe they're just gaslighting the audience. And yeah. maybe we're going to find out that he's not, and it's just a big coincidence, and you're being ridiculous for assuming he's Santa, because there's no... And you're, then you're looking at your clock, and you're like, okay, it's it's 9.59, we have no time left, and then it's like, he, he's dressed as Santa Claus in a sleigh, he's like, okay, bye everybody, and he rides away. You're like, but, so what... That, wow, they saved Santa for the last 60 seconds of this movie. And they, you're right, though. They haven't been doing that as much, which is disappointing, because if there was a year that we needed Christmas magic, man. I, I, I think the last time I I think the last time I remember seeing this with any consistency was like in 2015. Um, mm. The movie Mariah Carey directed had, had oh. a Santa in it. Christmas Melody was it Christmas that one? Christmas Melody is yeah. one of the most. I, I I'm just sure you probably it's done one it of the best ones. Yeah, it's one of the it's best so bonkers, weirdest, yep, most inexplicable films they have ever done. The filter Mariah Carey uses on herself is something special. It looks like she has just popped in from it. It looks like they just like, you know, those scenes in movies, people look up at the sky and then they're like, their mother looks back at them from the stars. Mm, like that's the teletubby baby. Every yeah. scene in this movie. Yep. Yep. And it's so fucking weird. Yeah. God, I love that film. It's a great one. I love that. That movie, that is an unbridled, unsung classic. More people need to see I'm it. I'm with you. It's amazing. Yeah. And I got to tell you something. 12 Pups of Christmas is going into my rotation. Yeah. So are you're going to rewatch this, you think? Oh, I'm, I already have. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we ran into this. We, 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 uh, uh, you know, we've had some, it's been a rough year. So like a couple of weeks ago, uh, my wife and partner, Michelle and I, uh, we we just needed a Christmas movie and we were non-specific and we were just like I don't know let's pick a random streaming service okay Hulu alright what do they got I don't know put in Christmas and then we looked at 12 pups of Christmas we're like great puppies and Christmas how can you go this wrong all we're, this is as much as we can <laughs> handle right now and then we watch it and we're like are you seeing what I'm seeing <laughs> Cause this is not right and then when I mentioned that we were gonna do a podcast about it uh, Michelle was just like, "Oh, we're watching that again," and she did, and it was—it just got more and more yeah. fantastic every single time. So I might not watch this every year, but I'm totally going to watch this more yeah. over the course of my life and encourage people to see just how weird a Christmas movie yep. can get without actually like breaking the genre. It totally while staying in the lines completely. This follows the beats. It ends where it needs to end. But the places it goes in between are really fascinating. Yeah. Love it. So it's a recommend from you for anybody that wants a Christmas movie? No. (laughs) Or a murderous movie. Listen, if 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 
if you love Hallmark Christmas movies and the TV show Hannibal, mm, uh, yes. this is a this is a good watch for you. If you would like have because some people only like one thing or the other. True. Right. Some people only like horror movies and they can't handle saccharine family stuff. Some people really like saccharine family stuff and they can't handle horror movies. If you have an appreciation for a wide spectrum of genre niche material and you're in the mood for something that I, I, I can only guess how intentional it is. Yeah. But something that seems to playfully dance between the raindrops of two different wildly different genres – uh, I think you're going to enjoy this movie because it's like there's a weird cognitive dissonance going on where like on one for a while you're kind of enjoying it as like a cheap stupid Christmas movie and then all of a sudden it's weird and horrifying yep. for a whole scene and then it goes back again to being innocuous and then it gets weird and horrifying again for a while and it's oftentimes even the better low budget uh, Christmas movies, whether they're made for Hallmark, Lifetime, whatever. Up, uh, Ion, yeah. I yeah, will whatever. say it's one that you have to... This is not a put-on-in-the-background. This exactly. is, you do need to watch it and pay attention, because if you put it on in the background, you're going to think you're getting a typical Hallmark movie. Which is probably how they got away with it, but yeah, yeah. like, seriously, a lot of... I, I talk to people, like, what... Who's... What's the purpose of these movies? They're so disposable. And I'm like, that's it. Exactly. You right. put them on in the background while you're making cookies, and yep. every once in a while you look up and something Christmassy is happening. And if you actually sit down and watch one, it's a I can fall asleep to this, everything is okay, mm -hmm. that kind of vibe. I know where it's going to end. I don't have to worry about the characters. Exactly, and that's fine. That's why that's why genre exists. Yeah, genre any genre exists because someone tried this thing. They they developed a formula that is easy to repeat and it works, and mm -hmm. audiences want it over and over again. Right, and the Just audience wants genre. to get something specific from that every time. Exactly. That's why every Marvel Cinematic Universe movie feels kind of the same. Mm -hmm. That's why every Fast and the Furious movie feels kind of the same. That's why every, every Saw movie, movie feels, feels the same. kind of the same. Every rom-com. Yeah. They all have a formula. That's not a problem in and of itself. This one is, you know, they're, they're not very ambitious, but they have a formula. And we go to them because, dang it, it's been a rough year. We're all tired. Yeah. We're all out of money, even in the best of times. And, and, and True. We just need to chill out and watch something innocuous that is kind of seasonal and makes us feel good. Boom. Done. That's this. But if you're actually willing to sit down and watch this mm -hmm. and engage with it, you're going to get something really weird <laughs> out of it. And I can't say that even for the best examples of this genre. True. Very true. Yeah. So, yeah. it's it, I, I don't know if it's good, but it's <laughs> fascinating. It should be seen. And I think we both will continue to do that is just keep an eye on Michael Pfeiffer as a director. Because he clearly, like, because he casts a lot of the same people. I know his wife, um, she plays the woman, the blonde woman who gets a dog for her kids in the movie. She's oh. in, She shows up in, like, all of his movies. He definitely has his stable. He works probably with the same music guy. He works with the same editor. Like, it, he, he has figured out how to make and sell these movies. And I think that's part of what's so fun about it is he, he's now playing with the lines. And I think, I really hope we keep getting more like that. This was, I think, his only Christmas movie of the last year or so. So we have to wait, I guess, till next year for another one. But I mean, who, who can say, really? <laughs> he can bang one out tomorrow if he wants something. Yeah, sure. honestly, I would, not, I would not be shocked at all. But let me see if I can let's see what's, if he has anything coming up on 
on the IMDb. It's hard to tell from the titles. Catch the Bullet, Shooting Star, <laughs> and Secrets in the Water are his upcoming. Yeah. Those are officially in post-production. But yeah, okay. this year alone, in 2020, he did the movies Sinister Behavior, My Daughter's Psycho Friend, A Soldier's Revenge, and Double Kidnapped. That's not <laughs> when you kidnap two people. That's when you're totally kidnapped twice. Happens to the best of us. I Apparently, I have a relative who was struck by lightning twice. Yeah, it happens. So never doubt it. Uh, so, Bibbs, where can the people find you? Where can they hear you? Where can they read you? Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> finding places to write has been rough this year, but uh, I do have a lot of podcasts. Uh, you can hear me on the Critically Acclaimed Network. Uh, that is available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and a few other places as well. Uh, that is a whole slate of programming content from myself and my podcasting partner, Whitney Seibold. We have a show called Critically Acclaimed, where we review new movies. We have a show called Cancel Too Soon, where we review TV shows that lasted only one season or less. We have a show called Episode Zero, in which we uh, explore the prehistory of gigantic pop culture phenomena. Earlier this year, we did 20 episodes on the films that inspired Star Wars, and now we're knee-deep on the films that inspired the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Which is such a great series, by the way. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so we got that going on. Uh, a few other things as well. Uh, we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network, where we have a lot of exclusive content as well. We do commentary tracks. We just dropped one this month uh, for Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Nice. We have a show called Holy Batman with a W, Holy Ah, uh, where we're reviewing every single episode of the Adam West uh, 1960s Batman series. Fun. Uh, we have a show called All Our Yesterdays, where we're reviewing every single episode of Star Trek ever made in production order. We have a show called Not on Disney Plus, where we review movies that are mysteriously not on Disney Plus, even though, as far as we can tell, Disney owns them. Mm. Um, and uh, also we have a show uh, called only the best where we're we're slowly working our way through every single film ever nominated for best picture at the academy Awards. what year are you up to with that one um we that was one of the few podcasts where like we we hit like some like personal troubles and like tech mm -hmm. troubles the last couple of months so we're a little behind on that but we're just about to enter the 1940s wow and it would have been faster but uh, we do five at a time and there was this big chunk from the mid-30s to the mid-40s, where there were 10 nominees. Ooh, yeah. So we've been doing five at a time, so that took a little longer than we would have liked. Oof. But uh, we're starting to pick up the pace again on that. And it's a really exciting time because there's a lot of Oscar not... Because we tend to remember, or at least have heard of, the winners. But there's a lot of nominees that people just don't talk about anymore. Yeah. And some of them are amazing. Well, especially that era. I yeah. think we... Because, I, I mean, you and I are around the same age, I think. And... We grew up, our parents were kids of the 50s, so it was yeah. all 50s nostalgia when we were kids. And, like, there's a little bit more of, like, some 30s stuff because you had such big movies in the 30s. But to me, the 1940s are my biggest blind spot. And yeah. as I slowly watch films from that era, I'm like, wow, like, there are some, there was some great filmmaking going on at that time. And it just and, didn't it, translate as well to, I think, get people interested today to go back to it. I think a lot of it is that people today aren't being incidentally exposed to old movies the way yeah. that they used to. Like, again, back when, back before streaming, the only way to watch a movie was to go to a theater, happen to catch into it, or schedule it, like, plan to be watching TV when it's on TV, right. or to rent it at a movie, uh, at, a, at a video rental house, and even that was only around since, like, the early 80s onward. So... Um, it used to be you just 
saw whatever you could and you would just happen to run into older movies, cult movies, B movies, because that's what TV programmed. So nowadays in streaming, we're mostly only finding what we're looking for. Yes. And we're not accidentally finding things and we're not incidentally finding older movies. There's always a recency bias. That's just mm -hmm. human nature. So a lot of people just aren't being exposed to, especially it doesn't help that a lot of these streaming services don't have very good older movie sections. Yes. Uh, yeah. Some are better than others. HBO Max is actually not that bad. But uh, regardless, yeah, so the, just the accessibility yeah. of these, these movies. I mean, you, you close off your own algorithm by not yeah. ever watching them, so they're never exactly. put in front of you. Exactly. It really, really stinks, yeah. which is why I think it's part of our job as critics to make sure that people don't keep talking about the same mm -hmm. five movie franchises that are out now and remember that there is a vast swath of film history and a lot of it is worth remembering and still watching and yeah, yeah. some of it sucks some of it sucks now but you will just suddenly lose all of it very easily if we don't keep it in the consciousness so I yeah. take that responsibility seriously yeah um, and it's the perfect closure for us talking about a genre that is designed to be forgettable <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Oh, and I'm on, I'm on Twitter at William Debiani. I think I forgot to mention that, but there you go. Boom. It's two, two Bs, four Bs. How many Bs? It's B-I-B-B-I-A-N-I. Uh, William Bibiani. I feel like you should win a spelling bee award for that yeah. perfect... Uh, Delivery helps, of that. If it I, I have to do it a lot. If it helps, I understand. it's Joey Tribbiani from Friends, except instead of a tr, it's a b. Mm -hmm. As a fellow Italian last name holder... I understand. Yeah, it's a yes. you know all too well. I'm sure. Indeed, indeed. Thank you so much. Uh, everybody, go find Bibbs. And also, I mean, if you learn nothing from this movie, I guess the secret of Christmas is to love puppies. Sure. Not cheat on people. Um, be open-hearted to women trying to fix you up with their brothers and secretly trying to have sex with you. All of those things and more. Yeah, that's 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 wise. I think that's that's hard-earned wisdom right there. Exactly. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. I'm sitting in a box with a ribbon on my head under your Christmas tree. I can hear your voice just outside the door, but you don't know yet you're gonna meet me. I'm gonna be a friend, your buddy from now on, starting from this Christmas. But this ribbon on my head, it really isn't me, it's gotta go. I hope you will agree I'll be your friend for life Your friend for life Starting from this Christmas I'll be your friend for life Your friend for life I'm not just